0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin here with Ariel Eldridge and Mitch Green, welcome in you guys. Good hey. morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> We're calling this the Sleepy Sunday Recap because Mitch and I are kind of low on sleep today. But uh You look okay. well rested. I, you a- you know Ariel's looking good. you're yeah. over
1: here going, I wrote a paper and I was up till two, I wrote papers. And then I went to bed and I don't know, I just, the freedom of being done with papers makes me feel so energetic.
2: It's
0: actually wonderful. This right? is the
2: last paper of my seminary life though. Ooh. Well, that's not necessarily true. You need of, to of sit this, in
1: it and Of this seminary
2: journey, let's okay. say that, because I think I'll do something in I'm year. sure you will. I'm already thinking about what's next.
0: Okay. <laughs> what do you have, what, what are you thinking about?
2: I don't know, man. There's a lot of cool programs. I I have some interesting off the wall ones that are intriguing. I yeah. was telling Ariel, I saw this like ministry MBA. Oh, it's I think like that a, sounds it's like it's now. like a ministry emphasized MBA. I was like, that's kind of cool. Huh. Like that's that would a really enjoy degree. that. In this season of life, I kind of want. is it
0: like an MBA all about making money? So is that going to go well, like prosperity gospel? So, no, 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 <laughs> no.
2: Business
1: administration. <laughs> so, so you. It, it's yeah. like
2: all of the projects are church focused. <laughs> yeah. And I was like that's actually kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of want something where I don't have to write a lot of papers for the next few years. Yeah. And then maybe I'll get back into the paper writing mode. That's that's what I'm looking at. Okay. So that one's intriguing to me. There's some spiritual formation stuff, there's, you know, there's some MDiv programs, there's there's all sorts of stuff that intrigues me, but
1: He just doesn't want to do the languages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will that, at one that's point. Okay. I that's will okay. at one
2: point, but not not right now. My hope is to get to where I'm like, "Hey, all you have left is the languages. Go do them."
0: Yeah. <laughs> so Sure. Totally. Well, hey, uh, before we get going too far in today, we just want to let you know about a little thing that we have been doing called the Sunday prep. And let me just tell you a little bit about that. Sunday prep is basically a Bible reading plan where Monday through Friday, there are some verses that show up on, uh, on the app. It's on the church app. And the verses that you read Monday through Friday are verses that are corresponding to the sermon that's coming up the next week. So for... For example, uh, this this next week uh, we're going to be looking at First Thessalonians chapter four again, verses thirteen through eighteen, and so that passage is the Monday passage. And so the idea is that you can read this and come to church prepared, uh, ready to un- uh, hear the sermon, and not just hear that passage for the first time as Pastor Scott's reading it. So anyway, uh, we've been doing this since January, and um, I've actually gotten some people giving me some pretty cool feedback on it. They really enjoy it. Uh, One time I missed a week and, uh, not missed a week, but it came, it popped up late because something, I I clicked Uh. something wrong on it. And uh, this one guy called me. He's like, Hey, Where's the Sunday prep? <laughs> I'm
2: like, I'm, That's good. Though. Sorry, I'm
0: glad That's we really missed. Cool.
2: Hey, That's we got to pause for our listeners here. Do you script these more these these opening announcements? No. Oh, it looked like you were reading it, man. Oh, and uh. it was so crystal clear. I was I like, thought so too. I thought you scripted this bad boy. No, I was we're like, gonna, man.
1: He peeked at his iPad to see gonna what we're going to start having on. sponsors.
0: I'm you know, sleepy. give us these written. I'm sleepy and I'm my eyes are glazed over. Okay. At my screen. Yeah, <laughs> I had to peek over there and be like, man, did he write this whole thing out?
2: Oh man.
1: I guess that's his way to focus.
2: Yeah. yeah. My hidden goal of every podcast is to give people an inside look yeah. of what's happening here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: Yeah. Hey guys, what do your kids do that make you the most happy?
1: That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh man I mean truly I'd want to say obedience, but yeah, I, I think I think that when I I, this is gonna sound so selfish. When I see myself reflected in them, I get uh, so happy. Yeah. I do.
2: Yeah, I mean, my kid doesn't do a whole lot, but he gets close to smiling, which gets us pretty pumped. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like on the verge of smiling, and we're like, oh, he smiled. He didn't. But we're <laughs> like, yeah, this is really cool. Yeah. No, so, nah, that's pretty. It's that, that's, that's it. That's pretty cool. That's so.
0: cool. We're in a stage right now where my older girls, they like to go hang out by themselves up in their room. And so, actually, the times that I'm the most happy is when they come down and they like at night, and we all get to play a game together, watch a show together, things like that. Having those those kinds of times together, and I'm like, yeah, I I like really enjoy those times. Okay, I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna brag on one of your kids here on air. So, uh, middle kid, Clayton.
1: Clayton. Clayton.
2: Yeah, I'm trying. Okay, so all right. So listen to this. So Sunday night, this is super super cool. So I'm doing this interim student thing for those who are listening. Clayton in the middle of my message I'm saying uh, I'm not asking the question mm-hmm. I just said who would be willing to die for something they believe in and his hand flies up in the air
1: Whoa. And, and I
2: go and then and then he kind of pulls it down really quick because he sees that I the, wasn't really asking anyone okay. but I just push. I had to pause and I was like hey bro that was really cool like, I just want to let you know, oh, that's really wow. cool that you were, that like, you'd be willing to die for something that you yeah. believed in and then like went on with it. But mm-hmm. I was going to tell you that, but we'll tell you on air because then everybody else gets to enjoy it too.
0: So. <laughs> oh,
1: that's really sweet. I'm glad you shared that. That's awesome.
0: That's cool. You know, I, I asked this because uh, the sermon this week, uh, Pastor Scott really talked about what does this mean to please God, this idea of pleasing God. And this is right out of first Thessalonians chapter four, verses one through 18. So this whole chapter and in pleasing God it's a really interesting thing because I think sometimes we get into this mindset of in order to please God we got to do everything right right mm-hmm. we got we gotta we gotta follow the rules make sure that all that's going on so let's just kind of start with that um, how do we please god and 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 I mean we can we can kind of riff off of what Scott was talking about on Sunday from mm-hmm. the passage here but but what does it mean to to really please God
1: I think it means um well from what I've understood from the scriptures, which I can't really part from now, like now that I've seen it, I can't unseen it. Yeah, you know, unsee it. Um, I feel like it is just being moldable that He is able to shape us into His Son's image, mm. um, and so I guess that comes with some humility and just the um, the open handedness of life, rather than holding tightly to um, to our plans and to our our will. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think again it's it's being willing to openly submit our life before God and let him form us and grow us in his son's likeness. And so I mean I'm I'm deep in this paper from Philippians. We were joking about it later mm-hmm. it, earlier. You know, I worked on it till two AM last night. But, you know, as as Paul says in his other writing is that, you know, we should have the attitude of Christ as that's how he says it, and yeah. which is taking on um the likeness and the characteristics that were modeled by Christ here on earth. And um, I think that is the path to pleasing God, which often is a path of like self-sacrifice right. and,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
1: But it, it seems like there is a piece of obedience in there as well, yeah. which we don't really, we play that down a lot now because I think maybe some of us who've had more of a fundamentalist background are a little afraid of saying that there is a, a an element to obeying the Father there. But right. I think that, it, that it's still there.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you think about um, some of the things that Jesus said about pleasing God. So like, um, it's kind of easy to remember the the references. So in the book of John, you you can look at um, uh, chapter 14, verse 15, and chapter 15, verse 14. Uh, And they say kind of similar things. And so he says, um, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's John 14, 15. And then if you go to John 15, 14, he says also, "You are my friends if you do what I command you <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and so the that parallel idea of uh you know how do we how do we love god how do we how do we show our love for him how do we i mean ultimately how do we please him is it, it there is an element there of doing what he commands us to do mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah that, that's definitely the way better practical answer than what we were saying <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> no. yeah I know that but everyone in church um you know. Leadership is is hesitant to say that yeah. because we know how many people have really been stung by a legalistic background of just mm-hmm. thinking yeah. that it's all about rules.
0: So let's explore that tension just a little bit yeah. because I think I think we have to kind of sort that out a bit in order to understand how we can please God, but how we can please God not by our own power and strength. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, yeah. it ends up feeling very much like a works-based salvation. Mm-hmm. Um You know, we're pleasing God by our own merit type of a thing. So how do we kind of get to this place where the gospel is fully in play, grace is fully in play, and yet we can still please God through obedience?
1: You know, I've been deep in thinking through a lot of this. and, And in Romans, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast. About how um, the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, and it mm, and yes. it does not um, follow His law. And indeed, it can't even please Him.
0: Right. So that's Romans eight six through eight. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so um, knowing that, um, what happens when we are when we are brought to light from darkness is that um, God gives us the mind of Christ. Yeah. And so when you have the mind of Christ, there you're then able to to follow His plan, and He starts to shape you into His mm. His. Um, Son's image, and gives you his will. Mm. And so it's not us trying to muster up this will that is like the Father's. He gives us the the mind of Christ so that it starts to make our will his will as well yeah. it's it's weird. But I think that's that's so freeing to us because instead of the making it like the strive ministry of me trying to like attain, um, perfection. Mm-hmm. It's been done for me. And, um, and I'm given the power to, to obey.
2: Yeah. Which, which I think is a really good note. I've had this notion in the last two messages, even the one that I gave two weeks ago, but I think it's important that we remind ourselves that like in Paul writing these letters that he is writing um, to a group of, of believers, to a group of Christians. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes um, if we, if, Someone who is not in Christ, um, that you know God hasn't opened their eyes to the Scripture, hears this message. It's gonna sound like a message of legalism, mm. right? And and so I, I just think it maybe it's a good point to stop and you know just to ask yourselves, you know maybe to pray before God and say, God, open my open my eyes, you know to what you're doing here. Yeah. Make it clear for me. Um, I was telling Chris yesterday again as I'm reading through Philippians, um, I think everything in Paul's letter to the church in Philippi comes down to two things: things that are from God. And the things that we do in response for God, and I think that's that's the picture of again how this doesn't become a message about legalism. It's in response to what God has done for us, mm-hmm. you know. And so He does He gives us these things, and we respond accordingly. But again, if you start hearing a message, and you know, you talk about sexual immorality, or you start talking about you need to go, you know, you need to go minister to people, you know, faithfully, and you don't, you know, Christ isn't working in your heart. It's you're gonna just hit against a natural wall at some point mm-hmm. which is yourself and so I think we have to even pause and remind ourselves that like who is it? he's talking to a group of established believers you yeah. know and and as we're talking on Sunday morning our primary message is going to be to a group of established believers right. but some people that may not like that message you know to live in you know to live as Christ and Christ likeness or to live a life pleasing to God um It very well may be that, you know, we need to pray that God opens their eyes, (laughs) you know, so they can see this message clearly.
0: Exactly. I mean, when you look at why Jesus – the whole reason why Jesus spoke in parables (laughs) was Mm -hmm. that whole idea is that people's eyes are blinded because of sin to the gospel, to the reality of what's going on around them. And – it takes a work of God to open their eyes in order to see those sorts of things, which is crazy. I think what we're talking about here ultimately is um, is what is described in scripture as sanctification, right? Yes. This is what we're talking about. And he even uses the word sanctification here in this passage, this is in uh, First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. And then he get, starts to list out a few things that they that he wants them to do. I think what we need to do is just understanding the things that God does for us you know, we can kind of sum it up into just a couple categories like justification, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a number of things involved in that, but justification is one of those things. Adoption is another thing that God does for us. Sanctification is another one of those things. And then eventually glorification is another thing. So those four things are kind of the the main uh, key things that we um, can expect God to be doing in the life of a believer. So, But each one of those has so much to unpack. Like yeah. we, we could drill into that. So I want to drill into sanctification just a little bit because there's There's elements of this that sometimes um can be confusing and difficult for us to to kind of wrap our head around. One of the things that uh, that Scott talked about on Sunday was this idea that the sanctification that we are experiencing is related to an inward change or or, or the mm-hmm. new birth. right? He ta- He brought up romans five five and talked about how there's um something that happens within us that, sets us apart, right, the whole sanctification idea sets us apart as being holy. And um, I was reading, this is, uh, I brought out my, uh, my, one of my systematic theologies here,
1: <laughs> John Frame.
0: John Frame. <laughs> uh, I really like his systematic, but, um, but he actually splits apart sanctification into two categories. He says sanctification has what's called a definitive sanctification, which is something that happens immediate right when you become a Christian. Mm. And there's also a progressive sanctification that happens over time. And I I think this is an important distinction because what what Scott talked about on Sunday and what Romans 5.5 5 is talking about is more that immediate definitive sanctification where someone is, where, where the Christian through it, it this is with a, the way that John Frame says, it, he says, this is a single act of God that ha- happens at a single point in time. Um, and, and at this point, we are set apart to be holy. It says, we are set apart from all other people uh, holy because we are in Christ. So in him, we have been sanctified past tense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's an important distinction I think we have to make because scripture seems to speak to that Mm -hmm. over and over again. But sanctification is not just that though, because we are not instantaneously made perfect, made holy. Mm -hmm. There's still a work that begins within us. So now having understood the definitive side of sanctification, let's talk about the progressive side. How does God do this within our life? And what is our responsibility within this portion of it?
2: I mean, it's it's a part it's a partnered work, you know. It's something sticky yeah. that's difficult to talk about. I think at first we got to talk about what it's not.
1: It is sticky.
2: Yeah. It's so, Chris and
1: I both backed away from the mic and we were
2: like, yeah, "Take it, Mitch." Yeah. So, so the first the first thing I would say is that progressive doesn't necess- does not mean um, linear in the sense that we may have. Mm, yeah, um,
0: that's good. that goes up that, and down. Yeah, that
2: it go it goes up and down. That there are seasons of um, God appearing to be close. There are seasons of faithfulness. There are seasons of unfaithfulness. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. It's 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 an you know, putting on the identity of Christ is an identity that is put on every day. Yeah. Um and so that's so that's the first thing is we need to not just think that it's linear. I yeah. think sometimes we have an idea to go, Oh man, I'm forty, I should know so much more by now. Am I in Christ? <laughs> and it's like, Well, you know, that's it's it doesn't work that way, but it is a partnering. There's there's a level of obedience that we partner with God in this work right. of um, not only ministry but in growing our in growing ourselves. So yeah. it, it takes it takes steps of what I would say the the best word to say is obedience um, to say that we're going to be obedient to the call that God's put on our life, yeah. which is to grow in Christ's likeness. So that means actively taking steps like reading Scripture. Praying for people, mm-hmm. doing the work of the ministry, submitting ourselves to a body of believers, and and as we do all these things, we know that God is at work, yeah. um, in the details, in the background, actually growing us and forming us in the likeness of His Son. Yeah. So I think that is that is the picture of what the rest of our life looks like as Christians, and this is why Scott I think was saying yesterday. Um, in spiritual formation, there's two words, and I feel like I'm going to mess up the second one, but it's there's the general call, and then there's what's called the, the um, unequivocal call. Which me is univocal. a univocal, univocal? univocal mm-hmm. call. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Which so there's there's there again there's this there's a calling that's placed on everybody's life, which is just that that we just discussed. Right. This is the this is the point of your life, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to grow and to be formed in Christ likeness, to partner with God in the work of ministry, to submit yourself to the things that God has called you to, and as you do those things, you know you're going to grow in Christ likeness, and then there's specific things that God's called you to. But at the same time, you know those things are going to not be as clear because they're not literally directly written in scripture. Yeah,
0: you know what's fascinating about this too is that as we talk about this, I think at the core of that, even that part of the sanctification, mm-hmm. it actually comes down to just faith for yes. us. Like we can't, um, we can't do anything. I mean, this is Hebrews eleven six. We can't do anything that pleases God without faith. We have mm-hmm. to have faith in order to, to please Him. And so, what is what's interesting about this whole thing is that. Um, so much of this Mm -hmm. is a work of God throughout our life. Um, God is the one that, you know, he, he, he's, he has those circumstances that are going to pop up in our life that then he's the
1: one who's working all things together, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Those circumstances that are going to create those, those points of tension that, that then form us more into the image of Christ. We do cooperate with it we do cooperate with it, uh, uh, you know, as we, as we walk through that with him. But this is, this is um, really the only thing that God does in our life where he calls us to then cooperate Mm -hmm. with him, (laughs) you know, justification, adoption, and glorification, uh, and even the definitive sanctification side, those are all acts of God that he does in our life. But this is the one thing where he says, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this in you. Yeah. But you have to come along with me. And the coming along with him is really done by faith.
2: Yeah. And I think if we understood the goal of sanctification differently, yeah, it would help it would help our perspective. So there so we have this picture with sanctification that God's trying to form us um, into something for something, I think most of the time. Yeah. I think that's what I struggle with is like, oh God, what are you preparing me for? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, what is this thing that, you know, like you're growing me into, you know, what position, what what thing are you growing me into? Where the reality is, is that God, the aim of the Christian life is really just to sit before God <laughs> and yeah. grow. And it's like this. So well, God's not preparing you for something as much as he's preparing you to, you know, be something and sit to, before so, God. To glorify <laughs> yeah. him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause that actually points to what he says at the end of this section yeah. where he gets to Jesus is coming back for you as mm-hmm. the, and then you are going to be the bride of Christ. He's, he is preparing you for something yes. and that something is to be his mm-hmm. bride, right? Yeah. And so, yeah.
2: But it's not that, you know, I think we have this this tendency to be like, man, God's growing me for this so that I can lead this thing or do this thing. It's like a more myopic perspective. Person. And it's like that is that is actually, at the end of the day, the goal is that you humbly sit before God, mm-hmm. that you read scripture, that you spend a life of prayer, yeah. that you exist in community with one another. It's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not at the end of the day, all these accolades you got from the things that God grew you into for some purpose. Mm-hmm. That's not the point of it.
0: Right. This makes me think of... Cain and Abel, okay? Yeah. So so you go back to Genesis, and you see the story of Cain and Abel, and they both offer sacrifices to God, right? Here, Ariel, would you maybe read that little section of Genesis? Yeah. Uh, talk about this offering that they offer to, to God.
1: Yeah, I'm going to pick up in the second part of verse 2 in chapter 4 of Genesis. Yeah. Now, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. <coughs> and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Yeah, I had to add that part because I think that's that's important. Oh, he even warned him. Yeah,
0: man. Yeah, definitely. You know, what's interesting about I think this section is there is nothing in there about the faith of Cain and Abel. Right. Um, it, it it all seems to be very centered around the idea of who offers the better offering. Mm-hmm. You know, do well and you will be accepted. <laughs> type of a type of a thing. And that's you know that's law that's that's that's, I mean, and it's it's right, it's it's holy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with that is that we can't ever do that. Like we yeah. we can't ever offer something that is that is truly um, holy and pleasing to God when without faith, because it, when we try to do that, it, even if we wanted to, uh, <laughs> it, it, when we try to do that, we will fail every time because we're going to keep back a portion for ourselves, right? But what I think is interesting is again, um, Scripture interprets Scripture. So if we fast forward to Hebrews eleven, the author of Hebrews is giving us more insight into what's going on in that story. And verse four says, "By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable offering, a more acceptable sa- sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts." and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Mm -hmm. And so what's going on there is you have this idea that Abel is offering a sacrifice, but he's doing so by faith, trusting that, that this is... Um, I mean, really, for, for what the revelation that they had at the time was, they knew that there was going to be this child, this seed of the, ser- of the woman that was going to crush the head of the serpent. And that's pretty much all that they knew. And so, by faith, he's waiting for that day, and he's trusting that God is going to do that, and Cain was not. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's really the key difference of what was happening in Genesis chapter 4. So, what's, what, that, what does that mean for us then? So, let's kind of bring it into like today's context, is that faith actually ends up being the thing that then we need to uh, essentially lean into there mm-hmm. to in order to please God.
2: Yeah, I, I think I was thinking situationally, you know, I, there's, there's two stories of two different gospels, one's in Mark and I think the other one's in Luke, where Jesus heals two different people. And one of them in Mark's gospel, Jesus heals the leper and Jesus tells the leper to go to the priest and Jesus goes somewhere else. And sorry, not Jesus. The, le- the leper go- doesn't go to the priest. He goes to the town and he tells everybody about it. Yeah. He's clearly disobedient to God and yet God still heals him. Then in Luke's gospel, it says, um, Go and by your faith you will be healed. Yeah. Um, and so there's an element of this man's faith. And as he's going and he's trusting in God, that God is working through. Through that, you know, and healing him. Yeah, both of those are two different examples, and I think the reality is what we're reminded is that in both cases, uh, Christ is at the work. Christ is the one who's at work in you know, in this case, a physical healing in somebody's life. Mm -hmm. But I think as we think about that for us, it's the same response. It's like we're called to be faithful to God, but regardless, um, Christ is the one that's working it out in us. Yeah, if that makes sense. Without Christ. We have no power <laughs> right. to to work out ourselves to even become more Christ-like, and we can't please
0: God. Yeah. we can't please God that way. And I think that's that's the that's the tough thing that maybe people get trapped in is is you know we, we we may have people that come to our church on Sunday mornings week after week thinking that what they have to do is just obey the rules, obey the rules, obey the rules. And the problem is is that by thinking that way, there is no faith behind it in trusting mm-hmm. that that um, that they are forgiven and redeemed and justified and, um, and adopted as, as a, as a son or a daughter, um, which then, uh, empowers them at the end of the day to actually do the things that God's asking them to do. Um, it's just trying to work by, by their own efforts. And at the end of the day, what happens is you just get burned out. You just get mm-hmm. tired because you're just like, I can't do this. And, and you can't you you can't do all of it. You can't do everything right. Yeah.
2: Which is why I think Scott, you know, we we talk about sexual immorality because it is in the passage, mm-hmm. but that's why the identity conversation comes into place. Mm-hmm. You know, when we understand our appropriate identity before God, you know, as redeemed, you know, as we were reading as you're looking at the systematic. Yeah. It's, you know, as we understand our status and our standing before God, then we're going to live out of that identity. <laughs> but if yeah. we if we see it the other way around and we think we have to achieve this identity, then we're we're gonna fall short at some point, point. Mm-hmm. and so if it's an identity that, identity that you already possess, you already have, you know, you just you live in light of who you are before God. But if it's the other way around, and I think I think that's that's the battle that we're in um, is that there's all these different identities at play, and culturally speaking, you know, as we you know talked about on Sunday, you know, um, sex is one of those things that people, you know, are being formed into, but it's not, it's not going to satisfy. It's not an identity that fully fulfills, but yet, um, your identity in Christ is something that's already fulfilled you. (laughs) You know, you're just living in response to that.
0: Well, let's dig into that a little bit because in the middle of Scott's message, he spent uh, quite, a, quite a bit of time talking about sexuality and, and about what's happening in our culture today, um, and then really coming back to the biblical definition of marriage, uh, the biblical use for sex, and how all that uh, comes together. Um, you know, one of the—back in our passage in Thessalonians, he says that part of the sanctification process, this this honoring God and obeying him, is that they would abstain from sexual immorality. Um and so, Scott did talk about a proper balance there. Mm-hmm. Of he doesn't say to abstain from sex. Uh, he's he says to abstain from sexual immorality. I thought it was fascinating when he gave some of that background about how the men of of this time are are probably uh, engaged in you know three or four with three or four different sexual partners, and so what. Paul is likely doing is calling the men of Thessalonica to sexual holiness, mm-hmm. kind of saying like you're, that that part of your life is now over and you need to leave that behind. Um, so when it comes to to what's going on today, um, you know, there's so much tension around around all this. Um, let's sort of unpack then why we, do we have that tension? That sort of the identity issue. Let's talk about that first, and then uh, what you've already talked about a little bit. And then, um, maybe let's get into some practical things with that as well
2: So, so Chris, the first question that I think is important for us to ask is you know sexual immorality. Um, what What would be a good definition for somebody who's listening on what what would morality mean? Yeah, well like what
0: what is a moral? Yeah, so what is morality? morality is 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 something where it's like, all right, here is a standard, hmm. and we have to try to meet this particular standard the issue is that the majority of our culture and i have to say the world itself looks at morality as being relativistic so in other words it it changes based on the culture and the time period that people live in and so therefore the the standard can be altered. And what we're seeing is that the standard is being altered. Mm -hmm. Um, Supreme Court justices can rule something which then says, yes, this is is the way that we think that things need to be done. So in essence, the way our culture approaches anything with morality is that majority rules, okay? Mm -hmm. What the Christian believes though is very different than that because what we're saying is that morality needs to be transcendent. It's something that is outside of humanity and needs to then enter into humanity, be given to us, and therefore we cannot change it. We can't alter it. Um, we have to simply accept it, and if we fail to meet those standards, then there's consequences for that. So anyway, but that's, I mean, if we were going to discuss morality. Oh, that's we such
1: go? a good definition. No,
2: that, that's spot on, and I think that's helpful because we have to ask ourselves then, okay, what is sexual, sex, sexual immorality then? Yeah, it, Which means that it's any time that we do anything that's outside of God's design For sex, Mm -hmm. meaning that God has laid out clearly throughout scripture what are the intentions and the purposes of sex. Right. Um, In fact, it's, it's, it, some would argue it's the very first command in the Bible. Here's where the sex jokes come out on the podcast. But, this
1: is, yeah, you know, I wondered fru- when we would all <laughs> yeah, lush, but, yeah. yeah, here be, we are. Be
2: fruitful and multiply, which, which again, yeah. is the only only command we've probably never broken. But um, <laughs> there's my joke that didn't, didn't get as many laughs. But so, so God has a clear intended purpose for sex, and yet with anything that's immoral, when we go outside of God's design for it. That is when – that's when Chris said – as Chris said, we're doing the opposite of God's morality yeah. you know, for this. And so I just think – I think we need to know that that is what, what Paul is arguing against and what Paul clearly says is that sex um, is intended to be used within the purpose of marriage.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, um when I was in student ministry, back when I was a student, okay? Mm-hmm. My youth pastor, we he used to talk about it this way that sex has four different components to it, right? Or four different purposes to it. And so there's a unification purpose, right? Mm-hmm. There's a um Oh, now I'm going to forget all these.
2: I'm just shocked you have any ability to get close to remembering something your youth pastor
0: <laughs> Same. said. No, no, no. I'm like, whoa. It's really good. It's really good. Okay, so there's unification. Kind of older than us. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> uh, there's unification, communication, right? Uh, procreation, and recreation.
1: Whoa. There's
0: these four elements or purposes mm. for, for sex within marriage. And what our culture is trying to do— is remove all three of those other than the recreational Mm -hmm. portion of it. So, so let's ignore the unification part. Let's, let's throw guilt and shame out the window and just do what you want to do. Right. Okay. Let's, let's get rid of the, um, the communication element because no, 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 it's, it's biological. Uh, it's a need that you have. You just Mm got to go do it and get, you know, Mm -hmm. get yours, yada, yada, yada. Right. Um, Let's get rid of the procreation element. So you know, uh, with extreme forms of birth control, yada yada, and that and that's a another controversial subject and stuff like that. But the culture is trying to get rid of that element of sex as well, and leaving only the recreational element. Mm-hmm. And and th- and w- by doing that, it's reducing God's design for sex and purpose for it down to something that becomes only self-gratifying, and only about you know just pleasing yourself, go and get what you want out yep. of
2: that. Which is where I think is the second piece where your definition for morality comes into place, that if morality yeah. is transcendent and it's given to us by God, we are ultimately not the one who's who determines what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the opposite of what we're seeing in our culture. We are making ourselves the supreme the supreme being. Yes, we, we are making, exactly. We are making exactly. so ourselves the person who has the ability to determine what is moral and what is immoral. And, um, that is, that is not the biblical narrative. And and I think honestly, as someone that's kind of stepping back in the student realm, that's one of the most dangerous things for young people in our church is that we are const they are constantly being told, um, to determine what's best and what's right for themselves Mm -hmm. by their own power without borrowing a source that's outside of themselves. And so I think, I think, again, we have to remind ourselves that, um, there is biblical morality That is laid out by God, and there is immorality, which is when we go against God's design. And in this case, we're talking about how we are doing that with sex. We're not just pulling sex out of thin air because it's the thing that's popular in culture. Mm. You know, it's we're not that like this isn't a case of us like preaching a sermon because there's a culture war at hand. Yeah. You know, we're not like, look at what the world's doing. How can we talk against it? You know, or how can we be the fun police? That's not what's going on. Scripture
0: is addressing it directly. Scripture
2: is is addressing it because, again, in the ancient world, and in our current world, it was something that people had a tendency to ignore God's
0: design for it. Right, right. And so let's get uh, let's kind of get to a. kind of how this might work out in our life today, because I think the principle here is so good. Part of our sanctification, all right, let's just kind of tie this all together, is that we come to a place of recognizing that we are not God, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And that we need to then submit ourselves to the authority of God in all things, even the things that are countercultural. Like some, it used to be easier to be a Christian because our culture was somewhat closer to what Christianity should look like. And now it's so it's becoming so different. So it's much harder to be a Christian. And so submitting to God's word and his authority, when our culture is going a very different direction becomes sacrificial, Mm -hmm. I mean, in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways. So I guess what I I would want to ask is for you that's listening at home right now, what are the ways that, and maybe we just need to do some good self-examination and just see like, what are the ways, because we all do this, that we have not su- submitted to the authority of God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? What are the ways that we have said, I'm still the one on the throne and I want to be in control of this and then repent, repent of that um, and, and, and move, move forward from that, trusting by faith that God has, um, has your very best in mind through this. I think
2: the self examines is huge because I think we're reminding ourselves the intent of Paul writing this passage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Paul is like, you know, there are a ton of sexually immoral people out there in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and the people that are, are reading this letter and listening to it are like, yeah, look at all those people out there. He's talking directly to them, mm-hmm. he's not talking about the people on the outside. Yeah. Like we need to have clear definitions about what God says sex is, but Paul's not necessarily concerned in this case with those that are outside the faith. Being sexually immoral, that's what he expects from them. That's right. He's yeah. concerned with those that are inside the faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, their that's right out of 1
0: Corinthians 5. So you yeah. can look that up.
2: So I just think we need, again, I, I just think that we need to examine ourselves because that's the point of it. This isn't your like, you know, don't take this verse and post it on Facebook or social media because you want to look at how, the, how sexually immoral the world is. Right. It's look at yourself look at yourself yeah. and recognize how you have a tendency to be drawn towards sexual immorality and shed it off because it's not of
0: Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is also why, why being in community with other believers is so important too, mm-hmm. like brothers and sisters that love you and are willing to talk with you about those sorts of things. Um, in a, you know, in a gentle and loving way, but willing to address those things with you. I think, um, without that, we are often very blinded to the ways that we are, um, trying to be our own God, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and things like that. So being in community, being in a, a D group or one of these, uh, one of our, one of our larger group programs, things like that, where you have people around you who know you love you and, and can help you with those sorts of things is really, really important.
1: Okay, so one more thing before we close out is that I was looking at this passage and I was just trying to think about more of the context in the middle here. There's a a phrase that I am curious about and wanted to to bring up, Um, but it says here in the the last half of verse 3 where he's talking about that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of Each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we've told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Mm. And so I'm looking at this and I was wondering what Paul is getting at when he says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Yeah, because um, there's there's obviously a context he's speaking to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know for for sure, and I mean, I, I don't know that we have super clear answers. But there's probably one of two ways to look at this. So it's either a, he's speaking directly of homosexuality in this in this passage, um, where uh, maybe tying the idea of uh, the passion of lust, like the Gentiles, uh, to the idea of homosexuality and, mm. and wronging his brother, yada 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 um and we've seen that we've seen language uh that paul like paul's used language like that before right, in other right. passages and things like that so he might be talking about that the other uh idea is that maybe the word brother could be inclusive of brother and sister so the it, the family of god mm-hmm. and um and that people are through these sexual acts are are not only harming themselves but harming these other people that they yeah. are that they are doing this with and um but either way you know, I think the second part of that is in, in verse six is, is probably the key. And because he says, because the Lord is an avenger and all these things. And I mean, and I think that includes either way you look at it. I mm-hmm. mean, the Lord does is the one who uh, vengeance belongs to him, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he loves his people and he will repay evil um, that that is done. And mm-hmm. so, um, and so part of it is, you know, for us, that's a comforting thing because yeah, because we need to remember, okay, you know, God is going to do that and so we don't we don't take vengeance and we well, don't we don't retaliate. I was gonna say like that.
1: that's really good news for our sisters because yes. you know as we're thinking through like how many um how many women are sexually assaulted or um, abused right. in their lifetime, just how much the Lord is an avenger and yeah. will will have his justice that's right that's that's good news
0: that's right well, you guys, this was uh really an interesting conversation today. I <laughs> This was a podcast. We finished
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> we almost made it through with a straight face. I was really impressed for a bit until you lost it. I know.
2: Depending upon how we edit, we may still
0: have yeah, a yeah. yeah. okay. straight face. Okay. I, I don't today, know that we're yeah. going to keep that in there. But, um, <laughs> 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 no, but uh, I just think there's a lot of interesting things here to talk about. And uh, thanks for, for being in this conversation with me today and and working through this. Um, And a really tough, uh, a tough thing to think through, I think challenging on all sorts of levels. And I, Mm -hmm. I hope that you at home were challenged as well as kind of, we worked through some of this stuff. Um, You know, this next week, Pastor Scott is back uh, up on Sunday and he's going to be preaching through uh, Philippi or let me turn that over. Well, this next week, Pastor Scott is back. He's going to be preaching through 1 Thessalonians verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. So he's going to be going over that section again. And it seems like as I'm looking at this, we're going to be talking a little bit about the end, talking mm-hmm. about uh, some eschatology. End
1: so. times. Everybody gets excited.
0: I know. <laughs> so, so I think we're going to be diving into that a bit next week. So we look forward to that, talking about eschatology next week on the Sunday Recap. We'll see you then.